0: Gardening cats and gators, welcome to Gardening with Cisco, October 20th, and uh, I'll tell you what, you guys are sitting in overcast, and I am sitting in 72 degrees in Denver right now, so uh, I'm uh, broadcasting live for Denver, Denver, and I am here to celebrate a rather round birthday with some of my family members because I am turning 70 tomorrow. Oh la la! I'm officially a geezer now. So, <laughs> hey. So before I start the show, hey, I'm flying solo today. So I'd love your calls. One triple eight nine seven three five four seven six one triple eight nine seven three Cairo. So uh, give me a call. We'll talk Garnet, So uh, first, as I always do. I want to say hi to all the folks that I spoke to or or saw this week. So uh, last, uh, I think that was, yeah, last Saturday I was down at the Federal Way Composting and Gardening event. What a fun event. And uh, holy cats, that talk went two and a half hours. I couldn't believe it, but it was really fun. And then I hopped right in my little mini Cooper and headed over to North Seattle Community College for Plant Amnesty Bingo. Was that fun or what? And uh, Cass is looking down at us right now and I know she's feeling great about that event. So thank you all who came and making it such a fun event. It was great. Hey, and then all you folks that I spoke to at the Port Angeles Garden Club, not only did I have so much fun, talking to you wonderful people at the garden club but also i got two of the nicest hikes i've had for a long time up there at hurricane ridge and uh, you don't see any goats anymore though they shipped them all out you know <laughs> but it's still really it was so beautiful it was a wonderful day next day i hiked the uh, spit and uh, you folks from the port angeles club uh, just uh, treated me like a king. So thank you so much for inviting me over to speak to you guys. And uh, so I did something really, really fun a couple of days ago uh, with some really great friends. We went garden touring and we started by going to Wincliffe. And if you haven't ever been there, that is Dan Hinckley and Robert Jones' private garden. And uh, if you get a chance to go there, I know if you're a member of the Northwest Perennial Alliance, you can go, uh, you know, see that garden when they have opens. It is so magnificent. Oh, it's just full of the rarest plants you've ever seen. And anyone who knows me and what a rare plant fiend I am knows that I was slobbering all the way through every one of the gardens. Oh, was that fun? And then uh, we went to Heronswood. And don't forget now, Heronswood, they're having their big haunted Heronswood. In fact, some of you might be at Heronswood right now carving pumpkins for the big pumpkin carving contest. And those will be all lined up. But on Friday, October 26th and Saturday, October 27th, for two nights, the garden is aglow with jack-o'-lanterns, many of them that you guys just... uh, Carved seasonal lights, Halloween uh, characters, and those fantastic botanical figures based on Sk- Sklalom legends, and best of all, the Trail of Terror. Oh, la la! <laughs> so we took the Trail of Terror, but it was during the day. It's going to be a lot different at night. I, all I can tell you is uh, be ready to scream. <laughs> And by the way, they have Spirits and Spirits, a wonderful beer garden there. So you can have brats and enjoy a beer or some wine while you're enjoying the scary, uh, spooky Heronswood. So I think that's going to be quite a bit of fun to say this, say the least. So that's coming up. So we went to uh, Heronswood. Heronswood is so spectacular right now. It's just, you'll love it if you go to, it's all in fall color. And then we went to Bloedel Garden. And Bloedel Garden is such a nice, wonderful, uh, natural site. And, uh, you know, it's got everything, the forests, ponds, wildlife, and that wonderful Japanese garden. We had just a wonderful time seeing it. And uh, thank you and uh Uh, Andy, uh, thank you for giving us that fantastic tour. All right, so uh, I'm going to see if any calls come in, and uh, we'll probably take a little break here, and then we'll see if we've got any calls. I do have some emails if I didn't get a call. So uh, one way or another, we'll get this show going. So right back on 97.3 Cairo FM. time here in Denver uh celebrating my birthday with my family so it's really great my birthday's tomorrow and everybody knows that Libras are the most intelligent people on earth so (laughs) so all you Libras out there now you know hey we're gonna talk to Ann in Bellingham hey Ann what's going on how you doing Okay, you know what? I'm gonna try something real quick. Fast. Hello. Hello. Hello? Hello? Look. Hello? Hello? I can barely hear you. Do
1: you know what this do you know what terrible
0: feedback? Uh okay, keep, keep going then. Ask her to she,
1: turn down her radio.
0: I'm sorry, I can't hear.
1: Feedback. Feedback.
0: Oh. S- s- still having trouble hearing. Just getting feedback. I tried, I tried plugging this in there. Try that again. Hi, can can you hear me now?
1: Very little. And I'm getting feedback. Oh, oh. My voice is
0: overriding. All right, now time. I'm hearing you. I'm hearing you now. Okay. If, if you want to ask your question, I'll listen.
1: Oh, okay, yeah. Uh, maybe you could ask for, uh, on air and I'll hang up because the, the transmission is absolutely horrible. Okay. Uh, on the east side, so- on uh, the northeast side of my house, I, I want some. Plants that would be perennials at about a foot and a half, max two feet, that don't fall over, <laughs> and they have to be pastels.
0: So, are they in full sun? They get morning light about twelve thirty. All right. Okay, I think I have some good suggestions for you. So uh, one, one perennial that I love is Mexican feather grass. And it's absolutely gorgeous, and it gets about two feet maximum. So you could put some of those in, but in between them, there are some great cystus. So cystus, what they are is they're rock rows. There are some real nice ones that stay low. I'm sorry, I can't remember exactly which ones. But if you go to a nursery and say, I want some rock rose that stays low. And they bloom all summer long. They're absolutely fantastic. There are some low-growing agapanthus with blue flowers. Those would be spectacular. And then you got to get some evergreen pentstemon. And put them in there too. And hey, why not go with a couple of uh, miniature roses? So uh, there's plenty of great perennials, and a lot of these will attract hummingbirds. There's a new hot lip salvia. This hot lip salvia actually um, only gets about two feet tall. You could try that too. So you're going to have a million blooms all summer long. And at the same time, you are going to be attracting hummingbirds like crazy. So I think I gave you a pretty good list. I'm trying to think of the, oh, there's one other one I love called Epilobium. Now, it doesn't exactly stand up, but uh, it's really pretty. We used to call it Zautionaria. And if you get, I think it's Matthew's select, that one uh, doesn't get over two feet tall. So That's some good plants that'll attract hummingbirds and uh, I think make your garden look spectacular at the same time. I hope that answered the question. Okay, I think we're ready to go to John all the way from Wisconsin. Uh, Yes,
2: I must be from a different part of Wisconsin than you are though I don't have that Wisconsin accent that you have.
0: Oh yeah, I could tell. (laughs) Uh, uh, yeah. So you must so, listen to me on podcast.
2: Yes, I listen on podcast. We enjoy your show.
0: My wife and I. Uh, Too great. I need,
2: I, need you to, I need you to help us settle a little. Uh, it's not a dispute exactly. It, it concerns Pachy Sandra. Now, we, uh-huh. we have a place uh, in Wisconsin on a lake, and uh, it's already turning winter up there. It's up near Green Bay. And oh we, we, we have an area of lawn we can never get grass to grow. So she decided we're going to put ground cover in there, and she thinks Pachy Sandra will do the trick. So first question is, uh, it's in an area that doesn't get too much sun. So is that a big problem? That's the first question. Uh, the second okay. one is, will it, can it survive the winter? Uh, and the third question, probably the most important one is, uh, is it really going to help? Uh, that she constantly talks to them and tries to provide encouragement and tell them that they'll be okay. Sometimes <laughs> I
0: even hear her talking baby talk to them. Well, answer the last one first. If, sh- okay. if, she, if she talks to them w- telling exciting stories and keeps the plant interested, that'll help. If she tells <laughs> boring stories, it's going to kill the plant uh, for sure. Uh, so. <laughs> If they if they start to wilt, then we know that's going to be that stories have been boring. it's the bad stories, not the weather. Actually, you know, I'm not sure if Pachysandra is hardy in Wisconsin. Even though I grew up there, you know, uh, it gets really, really cold in Wisconsin. But as long as it's covered with snow during the cold weather, then the Pachysandra oh. will probably survive. But if we got uh, cold weather right away and especially if you just planted this pachysandra then there's a good chance it might die so what what i would recommend that she does while she's talking to the plants
2: (laughs) have her uh put
0: leaves all around all of the pachysandra plants don't cover them up but put them all around them if you get a really bad freeze and it doesn't snow, take those leaves and cover the plant. You'll have to take oh, them back sorry. off. Yeah, you'll have to take them back off as soon as uh, it it uh, stops, uh, you know, as soon as it gets a little warmer or if it starts snowing, move the leaves back off the Pacassandra. Of oh, okay, that's good to know. Uh,
2: yeah. And the other thing is, do they need,
0: they don't, they, can they grow in fairly shady conditions? Pachysandra hates sun. And in Wisconsin, in that bacon sun back there, that would fry it so fast. So, yep, you did the perfect thing by uh, planting those in the shade. That's a great shade-loving ground cover. But I have to warn you, Pachysandra is very slow-growing, and eventually it really takes off, but it could take three years before It'll even start to fill in the open spaces between the plants. So you'll have to be patient, or you could Uh try fertilizing it with an organic lawn food. Okay. I'm writing uh, you now. Yeah, go to the nursery and say, hey, I want organic lawn food. That won't burn the Pacassandra And you put it out just like you would on your lawn at the recommended rate. And uh, okay. organic fertilizer has to be eaten by the microorganisms in the soil so it can't burn your plants. The plants can't use it till the microorganisms in the soil uh, eat it up. And then it slowly oh. becomes available so it won't burn your plants, but it's got lots of nitrogen and it'll make that Pacassandra grow a lot faster. But don't do that till spring. Oh, okay, don't do it till spring. All right. Well yep. I So I, I hate to I hate to tell you, but when the Packers play the Seahawks, we're going to whomp you guys. Well, I'm not so sure about that. <laughs> we'll, we'll have to see. <laughs> <laughs> we'll have okay, to see. Well, hey, this was this was too fun getting a call all the way from Whiz Cheese skin, So I greatly yeah, appreciate should. that you listen to my podcast. Tell yeah, all your no, buddies can, in. Wis- you. Tell all your buddies in Wisconsin they gotta listen to me every weekend.
2: okay, I will. I'm gonna
0: I'm okay gonna
2: next. <laughs> I will go out on the street and
0: start telling them.
2: Uh, all great. right that
0: sounds Thanks good. For Thanks for the call, call John. okay, bye bye. All right, I think we're ready for a break here. I suspect we are, so because uh, it's time for the news here coming up. And uh, so Tiffany will be in here uh, let you know everything going on soon. I'll find out if we've got some more callers on the line, and I'll be back right after the news on 97.3 Cairo FM. Welcome back to Gardner with Cisco. And uh, so uh, I, probably because of the fact that I am broadcasting from Denver, we're having just a few technical problems. So, uh, But fortunately, I've got quite a few of emails that have come in. So I'm going to deal with some of those, if you don't mind, right now. And one came from Linda. And she just, she said, Cisco, I inherited... Uh, quite a large jade plant and uh, she said I've never grown a jade you know I know it's a house plant so how do I keep this thing alive it's really important that I keep it healthy so (laughs) you know jades are one of the easiest house plants to grow just about anybody can grow a jade in the house you're going to want to put it in the brightest, sunniest window you've got for the wintertime. But if you don't have a bright window, you still can keep your jade in pretty good shape. But put it in the brightest spot you possibly can, because it's going to do a lot better with more light. It's not a low-light plant. By the way, just to add this, I keep my jades outside during the summer. and uh, But even though jades are Total sun loving plants. If you take them from inside, let's say in, uh, you know, around Mother's Day or something, and you stick them out in full sun, they'll burn up. I did that to a jade once and it got fried. It never quite looked great again. So put it in morning sun where it hardly gets any sun at first when you put it out in the summer or in the spring. And then put it in more sunlight every day. Leave it in more sunlight. and within After about a week of doing this, your jade can stay out in full sun all summer long. But even if you can't put it outside and have to keep it in the house, then you definitely want to put it in as bright light as you can because in summer it really wants bright light, you know. Now here's the trick. Here's what everybody does wrong with jades. In the summer, you can water a jade just like you would any houseplant. So what I used to do is I I lift the pot and feel how heavy it is right after I water it. Then I wait to water until the pot feels much, much lighter. Then I give it a drink, and uh, in the summertime, that's how I do it. So every time the pot feels light, I give it a drink of water because jades in the summer you water just like any other house plant really in the winter time so I bring mine in about this time of year in fact if you have if you've got a jade out there and you haven't brought it in you better get it in pretty quick because it could freeze and if it gets I mean if it even gets too cold in the 40s it could kill it so you don't want to leave that out too long now here's the trick you don't water I don't water my jades all winter long, unless I see those little green leaves start to shrivel up. If quite a few of them shrivel up, if all of them even shrivel up, if you give it a drink of water, it'll grow new leaves. So I wait till I start seeing pretty many leaves shrivel up. When I do, I give it a nice drink of water, and I don't do it again until I start seeing some of the leaves shrivel up again. Uh, if you're doing it right, Your jade plant should stand up like a tree. So, all the branches should go up at about a 45 degree angle. If you're overwatering your jade, what you're going to see is the branches will go up, then they will dip way down, and then they'll dip back up again. And so, they're going to, and you could, you know, you're going to see that how they dip down and dip back up. You're overwatering your jade. The problem is they can rot from root rot if they get too much water. You're at, it'll survive for a while like that, but if you do that too much, you're going to run into problems. So, uh, so uh, make sure that that jade doesn't get too much water in the winter time. That's the real key to growing jades. Okay, let me see what else I got here. Oh, I got one from Kate. So I got a an email from Kate, and she wants to know. Uh, and she lives in Seattle. She wants to know, are there any cactus that can live outdoors year-round in the Seattle area? Oh, la la, that's a hard question to answer. And I'll tell you why. I have lots of friends that grow cactus outdoors year-round. My good friend John Watt uh, used to be the head honcho at the Arboretum. And uh, Dan Hinckley, he grows a lot of really cool succulents anyway, and cactus, outdoors. But the trick is, you've got to have great drainage. It's the rain that kills the cactus here, not the cold. So there is a cactus called Ompuntia. They're prickly pear cactus. If you have really well-drained soil, or... If you can grow them under an eave of the house where the rain won't hit them in the winter, those are almost always uh, very easy to grow outside, and they'll grow for a long, long time. So, And there's a whole bunch of different kinds of prickly cactus. There's even one that doesn't have any prickers. So if you got little kids or something like that, you could try that. Uh, or you can you can do what some friends of mine have done. They've taken out all the soil four feet deep and brought in really sandy pebbly soil, and they're successfully growing cactus outside. But um, uh, the other one is agave. You know the agaves you see in Mexico and and in uh, you know Arizona places like that, and they're some of them are just huge. And my friend Dan Hinkley has one. It's like four feet tall and wide outside in his garden over in Indianola, so it can be done. But uh, the way he did that, he took out all that soil, and it's even underneath. But oh my gosh, is it magnificent! Though I wish I had one. But if you've got dogs or you've got kids, anything like that, you wanna you wanna cut those points off because if you don't, they could you know they could poke somebody pretty bad so and even those prickly pears i gotta warn you don't back in the one when you're weeding you'll find it to be a very uplifting experience if you do so all right well uh okay i've got uh at least one more email here and i think two more so uh maybe we'll go ahead and take a break and then uh come back and we'll uh finish this show off uh on 97.3 Cairo FM. Hey, and I really appreciate your tuning in today, and I hope the weather's getting really nice back there, because here in Denver... It is just beautiful out here. Oh, no, no. Okay, I got an email from Sylvia. And uh, so uh, she said she has uh, quite a large perennial border, and she wants to feed the birds, but she doesn't want her perennial border to look like gradu. Actually, I put gradu in there. <laughs> That's a Wisconsin term, you know. So, uh, So she's kind of confused. How to know when to cut what back when, you know? So, uh, well, the first rule of, uh, neatening up your perennial border at the end of the year, Sylvia, is to cut, cut down and remove anything that's getting slimy. So, uh, plants like hosta. They just turn to slime. And they're not going to feed the birds at this stage anyway, so those seeds are long gone off those. So as soon as you see your hostas start to slime, you know, get those out of there because once they become all slimy, they look horrible. And you better have some rubber gloves when you pull those out. They're, oh, it's gushy. And uh, I noticed Impatience does that. There are other plants that turn slimy. So anything, just keep an eye on things. Anything with big leaves quite often turns slimy. So get those out first. Anything with seed pods on them, and you can, sometimes you can even, you know, break up the seed pod. If they're full of seeds, you want to leave those on. The birds are going to really depend on that. So... I have a lot of black-eyed Susan, coneflowers out there, Uh, grasses. You don't want to cut the flowers off the grasses. Those are full of seeds that birds just love, you know. There are some I'm not sure myself, like acopanthas. I don't know. I've never seen the birds eat the seeds from the seed pods, But I suspect that they fall on the ground and all sorts of critters are eating them there, you know. So so I recommend, you know, anything that's still got seeds in it. Once the seeds are gone, yeah, get rid of them unless they look attractive. For instance, uh, I have some peonies and uh, the old seed pods burst open in these bright orange uh, seed pods are in there and it looks really cool. I don't know if any birds eat those or not, but it looks spectacular. So uh that works really good. So I think that's the key thing. Just, you know, if something doesn't look good, get it out. So it, even if it's feeding the birds, but it looks horrible. It's probably, maybe you could put them in a a little container off to the side and the birds could come get them over there. But at least you get them out of your garden because you don't want a perennial garden to look horrible. One thing I always tell people about a a perennial border is that you want to make sure that you have uh, uh, lots of evergreen shrubs in there, broadleaf and conifers, because that just... You don't want it all to just die back to nothing in the winter. And I've seen a lot of perennial borders that do that. And so by mixing in some hinoki cypress and, you know, there's that chief Joseph pine that turns just spectacular yellow in the middle of winter. And, and you know, you've got Daphne odores in there and all kinds of cool plants with different colored foliage, you know, some hot, uh, some The the coral bells, if you have all that kind of thing, your garden's going to look better for a lot longer. And uh, and then you can take your time and uh, cut out the things that are starting to look bad so the birds are happy. And just just, uh, two plants that I've found that birds really love, hawthorn trees. They never eat the hawthorn berries until uh, late in winter. And then they come in and strip them. And uh, uh, any juniper with berries, the birds always wait till late winter when they're really hungry, and they move in and eat those. So there's a lot of cool junipers that look great in a perennial border, you know. And uh, and uh, what's the other one? I'm trying to remember right now. Oh yeah, pyracantha. So they call that fire thorn. And it's, it's got a lot of thorns in it, but you know, you can, you can have one to the side of your perennial board or whatever. It's a nice evergreen plant. But at Seattle University, the birds never ate those berries until they fermented. Then every bird from miles around flew over to Seattle University, had the biggest party you have ever seen. This is the honest truth. I used to have to have Work study students out there on the road stopping the cars to give the drunk birds time to stagger off the road. Oh, la la. So, <laughs> so we never want to forget our birds. You know, there's lots of other plants, beauty berry that's calicarpus. There's a whole lot of plants that have berries that are really great for the birds too, so mix some of those into a perennial border too, and it'll look so beautiful. Beautyberry has those bright purple berries. For years, I told people, you know, plant this and the birds won't eat the berries all winter long. Then I was leading a tour at Seattle University. We came around the corner, and there were the 12 fat, fattest robins I've ever seen and three berries left on the plant. The birds have learned that they can eat it. Evidently, they made some bird no one like eat a couple and <laughs> found out didn't hurt them. So now we can all eat them. So, uh, but that's a gorgeous, gorgeous plant that I love adding to my garden. So it's, uh, that's a good way to go. So, okay. I hope that was a, a lot of help, Sylvia. <laughs> Okay, I have one last one I'll do real fast. And this is from Fred. And he said, when can I cut back my cherry tree by over a third? Should I wait till winter? Should I do it in summer? Should I do it in spring? Well, if you're going to do it, you're better off in winter after all the leaves have fallen off. But if you cut a cherry tree back by more than a third, it is going to exact revenge on you by uh, sending out 8 million uh, suckers right where you made every cut, you're going to be pruning this for the rest of your life. I know that feeling people get, you know, the birds are getting all the cherries up high, but maybe you ought to just let the birds have the high ones. You go after the low ones, unless you're going to really try and put a cover over a big cherry tree. And if you do that, I think... uh, your tree will behave a lot better. It's much better to thin a cherry tree than to try and lower it drastically. It is not going to like that, and you're going to pay the price if you do. So, all right. Well, hey, listen, I think another week is biting the bullet here, but I sure appreciate everybody tuning in. Enjoy the last of the wonderful fall weather, and... Uh, We will, I'll be back in Seattle broadcasting next week, and I'll see you then. Thanks for tuning in. Bye bye.